name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, I've mentioned uh, to you that we've entered this season that's often referred to as pre-Lent. And the three Sundays that make up this short season uh, often follows the Reformation themes of grace alone, scripture alone, and faith alone. Last week, we heard of God's grace alone. Next week, we'll hear about faith alone. And it's our focus today is turned to that of scripture alone. And we do so by way of the parable of the sower. Here Jesus says, a sower went out to sow his seed. Similar to last week's parable, in the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, Jesus' words are not intended to help you achieve business success. They're not intended to help you improve your yield. Like last week's gospel, Jesus is telling us a parable, a story that both hides and reveals the secrets of the kingdom of God. And so that you may know these secrets, in order that you may not be like those who hear and don't understand, we consider what Jesus says to us. First and foremost, who is this sower? Well, the sower is none other than Jesus himself. And because of sin... You could never come to him. So it is that Jesus takes the initiative. He comes to you as true God in human flesh and blood. And the seed that Jesus sows, well, it's the word of God. And this seed, this word of God is powerful. And it draws its power from its author, who is God. Although men penned the words of Scripture, God reveals that they were inspired. God inspired them to write the words that He wanted. And so it is that God's Word is never empty. It's creative, active. It's powerful. It does what it says. Consider what you heard in the Old Testament uh, for this morning. Prophet Isaiah writes, For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Some of the words that God speaks to you are words of law. And these words of law reveal your sin. You're by nature sinful and unclean, deserving of both temporal and eternal punishment as we confess. And because of sin, we cannot believe in Jesus Christ or come to him by our own reason or strength. And yet, over and against this word of law comes another word, a word of the gospel. That is, Christ crucified for sinners. And through that word, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, and keeps you in the true faith. Through the simple means of the spoken word, God's word accomplishes what 
God pleases. It works the forgiveness of sins. It brings eternal life and salvation to you. God's word is powerful. Looking back at our text, we see that this seed, this powerful word of God, is sown. Some falls on the wayside, on the rocky ground, among the thorns, and also on the good soil. And yet it's only the seed that fell on the good ground that actually produces fruit to maturity. Now here it's where some may argue that, look, God's word really isn't that powerful. However, that's a lie. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. The word of God is fine. The problem was the soil. And you farmers know the conditions that are needed in order to have a successful harvest, don't you? You're concerned about the soil. It needs to be full of nutrients, void of rocks and weeds. You're concerned about the weather. You need both sunlight and rain, and you need it at the right time and in the right amount. And so you know the conditions that are needed in order to have a successful harvest, and if you don't get them, you know what happens. And so it is with God's word. God's word is powerful. And yet there remains, or Jesus reveals to us, that there are three enemies to his word. The first is the devil. Enemy of all Christians. The devil wants to snatch God's word away from you. And he does this by bringing you a different word. A lying word. He says you can't trust God. God is withholding good gifts from you. He only pretends to love you. In reality, you're on your own. If you want to succeed in life, be delivered from the problems of life, well, you're going to have to do it yourself. So come, eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, for in the day of it, you will be like God. And you want to be like God, don't you? And the sinful flesh says yes. In addition to these lies... Satan's also quick to remind you of your sins against God. He'll remind you that there is no hope, there's no forgiveness, no salvation for you, unless you find a way to fix it yourself. And so it is that we strive and wrestle. And in the midst of all of this, Satan is snatching God's word from you, that word which rescues you from the devil's assaults. We forget that the devil speaks lies. He speaks words of deceit. And he often uses God's word, but he takes God's word and twists it. So it's unrecognizable. And it becomes the opposite of what God intends. The second enemy to the word of God is times of testing. Like the summer sun, times of testing beat down on each and every single one of us. Sin brings about hard times, trials and tribulations in life. It could be a debilitating illness or fatal disease or the death of a loved one. It could be a loss of a job or finances. It could be that a loved one no longer believes God's word and has fallen away from the faith. For those who are grounded in God's word, these times of testing 
are strengthened by the word of God. And yet apart from the word of God, these individuals have no root. They believe for a while in times of testing, they fall away. The third enemy is that of cares and riches and pleasures in life. We live at a time where there's incredible wealth, opportunity for temporal pleasures, medical advancements have, allow us to eat better, to live better, to live longer. Technology advances uh, allow us to communicate better, to travel further, to give us unlimited information all at, the, uh, the, at our fingertips. We occupy our time with jobs and sports, movies and hobbies, and yet with so many comforts of life, how easy it is for the sinful flesh to make an idol of these things. How easy it is for them to become the priority in our lives. And what happens when there's the threat of losing them? What happens? We do whatever we can to hold on to them. We cling to them tighter and tighter and tighter. And in so doing, we lose sight of the one thing that's needful. And that is Christ and his word. Fellow redeemed, where cares and riches and pleasures of this life will all vanish, God's word stands forever. And yet the false promises of those things that are vanishing can rob you, choke you out of the eternal life that Jesus has won for you through his death on the cross and through his glorious resurrection from the dead. And yet despite all of this, we see that a sower goes out to sow his seed. And some of that fell along good soil and yielded a hundredfold. In this instance, the powerful word of God is heard, held on to. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Though redeemed, the temptation in hearing this parable is that we want to peg ourselves as one of the four types of soil, that we're one but not the other three. And yet this parable isn't about four different types of people. This parable is about people. It's a warning to all of us, for all Christians endure each and every single one of these attacks. Consider what St. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The parable of the sower calls for such testing. It calls for us to repent where we have failed to heed God's word. God's word reveals Satan's snatching temptations are always at work targeting our weaknesses. It reveals that we would prefer to avoid rejection and ridicule from this word world. It it reveals the coveting and worrying and wrongful desires that infest our sinful hearts. Ultimately, God's word reveals the hardness, the weaknesses, and the thorniness of our hearts. And yet, even with the hardened path, 
in the shallow soil and the thorns, we hear that a sower goes out to sow. And that sower again is Jesus, the promised seed of Eve. He is the Word made flesh. He went out to rescue you from sinful and deceitful hearts. He went out to rescue you from the danger and adversity of the sinful world. Christ lived by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, including the bloody sacrifice on the cross in your place. Jesus is the word that was sown on the stove, uh, stone pavement as he stood before Pontius Pilate and was taken away to be crucified. Jesus is the word that was sown on the rocky hill called Golgotha, where he sprang up on the cross and withered away under the Father's scorching wrath for your sin. Jesus is the word that was sown among the thorns, that is, men who out of love for the pleasures of this world mocked him and beat him and spat upon him. And it was by sowing himself on that wretched, sinful soil, and by dying and rising, Jesus makes a little plot of good soil. Having risen from the grave, with all authority on heaven and on earth been given to him, the sower is among us now, still sowing his powerful word. His word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces, that cuts through the thorns, that breaks up the bad soil to create good soil in you. And this isn't your doing, so that no man may boast. Have you ever wondered why you're constantly being encouraged to be faithful in your church attendance, to make attending the divine service the highest priority in your week? It's the word of God. It's that word preached. It's that word tied to water. It's that word tied to bread and wine. That is Christ's body and blood that gives you forgiveness and life and that strengthens you in the one true faith. And it's that same word of God that enables you to go forth from here and live and love toward God and love toward neighbor to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so... This day and every day of our lives, let us delight in hearing God's word, in reading it, in marking it, learning and inwardly digesting it as we often pray. Your life with God and the forgiveness that he gives to you for Jesus' sake is dependent upon his word. Holy scripture is the foundation of our faith because it gives you Jesus, and it gives you the forgiveness and the life that he won for you through his crucifixion and resurrection. And while you will face various temptations in this life, you have God's sure and certain promise that the word that proceeds from his mouth, that is his word of forgiveness and life, will not return empty, but will accomplish everything that he promises. Because that word is backed by the blood of Christ and through his glorious resurrection from the dead. God be praised. Amen. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.